Hey everyone, uh, this is a repost on the first podcast I ever did. Uh, my first one, I was lucky enough to be able to sit down with Ron Wilkerson. Uh, at that time, we weren't linked up with the guys over at Dig BMX, so uh, we wanted to get this podcast back in the library so you guys who have not heard it can listen to it, and those who have heard it can go back and listen to it again. Um, if you're new to our podcast, uh, you can listen to us by subscribing to Dig BMX on iTunes. Uh, you can download the Dig BMX app, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud. Um, the podcast is brought to you with the help from the guys over at digbmx.com. Uh, go check out their website or go check out their app for plenty of good BMX coverage. And let's get back and go listen to the Ron Wilkerson podcast. Here we go. So this is uh, the first podcast we're doing for the Snake Bite site. Uh, bear with us, cause like I've never done this. I'm sitting here with a uh, Bruce Chrisman, Ron Wilkerson, and, and his little dude. We're just sitting around eating chips and salsa. Um, we decided to turn this on because earlier, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about the origins of the name Abubaka. Um I'm happy to be your guinea pig. Yeah, Ron's Ron's the guinea pig. Oh man. Uh, but Bruce didn't even know, A, Ron invented the Abubica, and then I messed up and started talking about the backwards Abubica, because I originally thought the original Abubica was front tire to fakie. That was a backwards drop-in. And that was just a backwards drop-in. Yeah. So where, where did the name, like, where did Abubica come from? Well, it means, uh, it means tribal leader in African. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just... <laughs> That's completely out of left field. I didn't even think that. No, we were on tour and and Spike was calling Bill, the guy from Haro, who Bill Hawkins is our, yeah. our team guy, and he was out visiting us and we were calling him a Bubica. And that was the same tour where I invented the Bubica and I'm like, hey, that'd be a good name for a trick. What what year was that? Oof. Don't even know. It was like 80s sometime. 80s sometime? Yeah, like one of those '80s years. <laughs> so, so let's say you know, BMX Plus came out the you know 101 freestyle tricks. They have it listed wrong. Then do they? Yeah, because they got it where, you know, whatever. It's all in slow mo. It's you know 101 yeah. freestyle tricks. But I'm pretty sure it's you. I think a couple other people do. You go up front tire, Whoa. and go in fakie, and they call that the abubica. And then you go back tire, and go in fakie. And that was a backwards Abubica. Really? And I've even had the conversation with a few other people where we're like, oh, there's the name changed over the years, you know, because everybody did so many back tire yeah. ones. Yeah. And, uh, no, no. all right, well, we were all wrong. Yeah. BMX Plus okay. let us awry. They, they let... That's surprising. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> Maybe they just needed, like, one other trick to add, because they only had 100, so they yeah. just made the name up. That, yeah. They needed one more well, trick. they could have just called it the backwards drop-in. They could have, but... Yeah, that was back in the day before we, before we came up with names for tricks, or or before I started naming my tricks, I just called it a backwards drop in. Okay, um, I know when you were in the shop earlier, we were talking about uh, just like kind of like you know the bikes that you built up like now that we're older, you know like I built up like a Wilkerson Airlines that I built up like I built a rep clip just like I did out of high school, and you were talking about like that Haro Freestyler you built up. 
Uh-huh. What was that? What was that setup like? What what, what year was that bike? You know, that was my first hardcore. Well, one of my first. I had, of course, millions of different types of freestyle bikes in the beginning days. But uh, one of my first hardcore freestyle bikes was the Harrow Freestar with with um. Wait, what's that guy's name? Um, oh, the guy from Florida, Florida. we were talking about. This is so Ron's me. looking oh. up right now. We're trying to figure out oh, a, right. a collector's I'm, name in Florida. I'm, I'm looking in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> we we're trying to figure out. There's a big collector I'm, in Florida. I'm that thinking. I'm thinking. It has hard. more walls than you. No, it's just no. His house is insane. It's like it looks like a museum. He's got all these cubby holes with like frames. I forgot the guy's name too. And he's just got this insane collection. Does he have an Instagram? I don't know if he has an Instagram. He's awesome. You see that. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time. That's that's why. Why? Uh, well, you're looking that up. Why don't we, I'm Bruce? Just, I'm thinking in my head. I'm not looking in my memory. Bruce, where did you think the Abubuka came from? Since you know, you. Oh shut! Come on. <laughs> so damn old school. No. Um, I didn't. No, I didn't know. I didn't know he invented it. Abubuka. Um, I thought maybe it came from a. Coaster break. Someone doing, you know, using coaster break. Yeah. How did how did you and Ron end up meeting, Bruce? Um. Well, we met uh, first time actually briefly in two thousand one. I think. Did you cruise down with me? The meet the meet the street, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we drove down to that. Yeah, meet we the drove street. with you and beat up and that. Yeah. Okay, so that was the first time I shook hands and spoke with for like a minute, if that, and then. Uh, didn't even really start talking until like what six years ago I think through our friend Ramiro he's a house DJ he's been his house in music. Seattle in um, Seattle I think it was in Seattle was it? yeah of course oh. well you came down and stayed with me like he shortly after you and Ramiro got to be really good friends yeah. We're, like texting each other every day and all that and then I heard about that from Ramiro, and I'm like, he, I'm like, I know Bruce, and like, he knew, we knew each other, <laughs> and then it was this weird, like, triangle thing that happened. Oh, and then you came to Portland to judge and the you guys detour. met separately from me, and I was great friends with Ramiro. Yeah, and then you were a judge, and you needed a place to stay while you were in Portland. <laughs> or no, you needed, you needed a place for, like, a minute before you went to the, to the airport. Did I? Yeah. Oh. So you came over, and, then and now you guys, now you guys are best of buddies. My bro. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you yeah. end up finding that name? I mean, oh. the collector guy. No, I was searching my memories and Juan Matos. Juan Matos. Yeah. So yeah, like back back to your the freestyler we were talking about. He, he bought like the Hutch name. Oh, I think he did buy the Hutch name and like repops the pedals and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so you hit you hit him up about the bike or whatever. Yeah, I was getting the uh, Haro, our newer Haro hmm. warehouse, and we had like a foyer. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get my build up my first hardcore freestyle bike and put it in the foyer. And so I I tracked down this this dude Juan Matos and in Florida, and we were talking on the phone. I was saying, yeah, I want to build up my bike, and I was telling him like all the things I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Macking those chips. Yeah, he's eating those chips, just going mm-hmm. down. And uh, I'm talking to him for a while. I was just, we were just rapping. I was just saying, oh, yeah, I gotta build this bike. 
Harlem Freestyle, Graphites, uh, Oakley Levers, CW Bars, Dirt Skirt, Botima Forks. I was just going all over the Were they the CW like ladder bars or were they just the OG CW ones? Well, the, not the ladders, but you know the like, double top tube weird no, CW no, the bars. Ones, the straight ones. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, the super OG the, ones. The real, the real CW bars. Okay. I'm not even. I can't. I'm not even that old. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, those came out. Those are like blowing people's minds when those bars first came out. Those C dubs. Yeah, they, they pro- look. They look so big, but they really weren't that much bigger. They were a little bit bigger, but they weren't that much bigger. But they just look so big because of the style. And well, compared to like all the little V bars back then, they probably felt a thousand times better too. Yeah, it was different to get used to, but. Yeah. But anyways, I was talking to him, telling him all his parts, and and then he's like, "Yeah, well, he's like, well, I'll give you all the parts, but I'll just charge you what I paid for the frame and and the graphites." And I'm like, "Oh my God, cool! How much is that?" And he's like, "Well, the, the frame, I paid like fifteen hundred bucks for that, and then it was like thousand dollars for graphites." And I'm like, oh, "Oh, this this idea is gonna have to wait a little bit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just moved into two hip and didn't have that kind of cash laying around. And uh, and then and then I, I'll I'll get a hold of you soon. I'll, I'll get that get that bike. And then it was it was like three, two or three days later, this gigantic box showed up at Two Hip. It was like bigger than a bike box. Massive box came and it had like each part was like individually wrapped in it. And it was like a plaque from him presenting me with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I was so stoked. It was like. It was the coolest thing ever. And he came from Florida, so he sent it, like, second day air or something like that. Yeah, because whenever I order anything from Florida, it feels like it's, like, coming from, like, it might as well come from overseas, it feels like it takes so long. <laughs> yeah. Like, you'll yeah, just be sitting was, around waiting. That was that was the coolest thing. That was so And you stoked. still got the bike? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. You were, oh, yeah. you were saying, like, you went to take a few runs of the park with it, and yeah. it, how'd that go? I went and did a photo shoot for, I can't remember what I did it for, but, uh. I went to the same bowls I ride in Lake Cunningham and and like same bowls I can get like ten feet out of normally like I couldn't get more than like three feet. How, like, man, how do we ever ride these things? How high do you think you used to be I mean, no when that bike was built up, you know, ramps stuff were different, but how how high do you think you used to go on that bike when you had it back in the day when you were younger? Well that, that was in the day that bike especially was in the day of the six foot tall, six foot wide vert quarters yeah and you know we'd go like five or six which was just that just seems insane i'm just like picturing like mike buff or something in my head just like roasting one right now (laughs) yeah those those are like we kind of ran so you're riding towards them you can see over the top (laughs) (laughs) and it's a vert quarter and they're really skinny yeah that yeah but i've done the same thing where i'll go to the park with uh with one of my older bikes and and it just it blows my mind really just to even think about like like i'll go ride one of the bikes at the park just struggle to do some errors and then you'll watch some old footage and dudes will just be like roasting so hot like you know like you got a pair of mags 65 psi and you're still hitting like 10 foot errors which i don't even know if that's like is that that's is that even humanly possible nowadays Like, like yeah 65 if you're lucky maybe 60 it i do you ever like think back at like those bikes and just wonder how like I, I like like okay like 
I always watch like you'll see like the old like Austin AFA contest where like Dominguez just roasts like this. Like I watch it on YouTube all the time because I'm a freaking nerd. Mm-hmm. And he just like roasts this turn down, comes back, roasts this like you know it really seems like a ten foot high five forty out of this mm-hmm. eight foot quarter. And he's like, I think it was like right when he got on Diamondback, he's like riding a Diamondback race bike, you know. <laughs> and it just looks like the squirreliest bike. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm even surprised it even holds up to even do a air higher than six feet back then, you know. <laughs> Like, it, yeah. it it kind of blows my mind, like, more, you didn't just see forks and stuff ripping off. I mean, maybe I didn't see it, because I lived out in the country, but <laughs> it seems like just forks should have been ripping off, like, left and right back in the day. Wasn't that uncommon? How many, how many times at the Enchanted Ramp did you just see forks just rip off of people's bikes? Yeah, well, I mean, all the time, like, you'd always see things <laughs> cracking, and that was just regular common occurrence like you were the one running the prototypes cracking things and not just any kind of bike back then you just be regularly regularly going through parts just like like every week you'd be just swapping out something well not that often but yeah it's just not uncommon occurrence (laughs) okay here's a question when we're talking about squirrely bike parts and i just i'm just thinking of like then you hear stories of people that like their one piece crank breaks off and it slices their leg open. Oh, I've seen that. And you're always kind of worried about something like that happening. And, and Ron Kimler incident. But that was three piece cranks. Yeah. So you, okay, so back back in the 80s you rode for ACS. Well, I think you even rode for ACS up into the early 90s for a little. Um, I think so. Okay, so you rode those, which killed me. So you always had the ACS slant stem with a rotor. Oh, yeah. And... It just seems, A, the ACS, okay, so let me tell you my ACS slant story. It's mortifying. I was like 14 years old, got myself an ACS slant because it, it just looked like the sickest stem at the time, you know? And I, I had it for like, I don't know how long I had it. I mean, that's like so long ago. But I remember I went up to do a Grizz Air off this like pop-out dirt jump. And right where the stem bends, it just broke uh-huh. right when I pulled up off the jump. Right, smashed yeah. myself in the face pulling up with the handlebars <laughs> and uh just proceeded just to just i mean i you, you nothing's gonna go good after you pull up on a jump and your your bar and stem come up and hit you in the face oh. and just wreck but i always see you riding that thing and you see a slant with a rotor so your stem's even out of your bike and i'm just like damn ron was riding hard back then like how a how many times did he just bend the shaft on his stem and have to put a new acs slant stem on or was just somehow they were impervious and he just ran them forever, like. No, or we just changed them enough to where. Would you change them fairly frequently? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always would see photos. I'd be like, "How the?" To be scared of something happening like that, because back in the day, you would never know like what was going to happen. Oh yeah, forks when they had before yeah. they had machine steer tubes and they were just welded in there. Yeah. You could never see if they were cracked. Yeah. Like they just they just break off and. You'd wake up. I remember one time I was, it was the last day of school, like my freshman year. And I was pedaling home and I hit a curb jump, you know, just super excited because it was summer. Jumped, landed, flash of light, wake up, look about 30 feet in front of me in my front wheel and forks are laying over there. And I get up, my bike's like over here to the side and I, my forks just broke. But you never knew because the inside of your steer tube, you never knew if they were cracked, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, those things just launched off. And I, I definitely may have given myself a coma. So, not a coma. No. See, that? that there it is. I, concussion. concussion. You were in a coma. 
Yeah. With a sound a real quick coma. Yeah. You you know more about the coma than me. Um, oh yeah, comas. What? Coma. How long were you out for in the coma? I heard. So I don't even know the complete story. Talk a little louder, Bruce. Oh, I don't. I don't. I have never really gone in depth. I've always been curious, actually, as long as I've known him, about him going into a coma. Uh, it was from a high air. Would you just uh, you're doing a nothing, and then how right? Yeah. And then how long were you out for? Uh, I was in coma like a week. A week? Something like that. Yeah. Oh geez, I was thinking like five hours. Oh no. I don't think is that or, or, still or co- unconscious? Is it even a coma if you're it's five hours? I think. Uh, well, regardless, you know, I thought you're so you're unconscious. I, I believed it was for like five hours. Yeah, uh, it's like five days or a week. I don't remember. <laughs> that was like that was like towards that was like the end of the AF kind of the AFA quarter pipe contest wasn't it like was that 88 or something yeah yeah that was a yeah and I that's after when I went to Bob Morales and offered to do half pipe contest for him yeah and then he was like oh no everything's going fine I'm like these ramps are dangerous I think it was even before that I went to him oh wait was two going on then you guys started contest in 87 yeah, so we I I'd already oh. gone to him to because these ramps are not safe. Yeah, and uh, that's what started two hips. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to stop it first. We're stuck at that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The booze and foods here. Booze and foods. Let's see. Mac and cheese. Okay, it's fully recording. All right, part two. We had to take a take a break because everybody's tacos showed up. Uh, booze and food break. Booze and food break. So, Bruce brought up, uh, he didn't know much about Ron's coma. Um, Ron was talking about being in a coma for five days. That's why uh, everyone wears full faces and a vert. Really? Oh, they wore the Echo style. Open face. Open oh. face with a mouth guard? No, Echo style. Open face. Oh, excuse me. Mouth guards? Echo was in around back then, Bruce. With a Jofa. Yeah. A Jofa of Bruce. The Jofa helmet? Mouth no, the Jofa is the mouth guard. Mouth guard. Oh, <laughs> see, I wasn't around. I know. Mm-hmm. So, you, you little mid school kiddies. Yeah, uh, mid school. Mm-hmm. Bruce, you're like the epitome of mid school. I'm right there, dude. <laughs> 92, dog, come on. Uh, <laughs> right in the middle. So, but yeah. Pretty soon, you're going to be able to go to the old school jams. I'm 36. What does that mean? Two weeks ago. So, does so you, you mid school turn into old school? I don't know how the rules. Work. I, I I think there has to be like a new classification because I was like, I was talking with somebody online about it, and they'll be like, you know, this is old school, this is mid school. I'm like, well, what happens? There's another generation. Like you, you, you know, it's like it almost needs to be your old old school. It there needs to be like it needs to be like. The golden era, this era, this era, like every 10 years, because you can't just be like trying to classify everything into two old school and mid school. I feel like there's way more than that right now, you know? Mm-hmm. There'll, never be, there'll never be another first gen. No. Yeah. I mean, that true, that do you feel like a dude like, okay, we talked about it, like Mike Buff is old school, right? That That's super old school. Certainly. And then, but then you have a dude like Bob Cole. I don't feel like they're in the same generation. I feel like Bob oh, yeah. Cole's like that second it was like mid-school. Yeah. But most people would say, oh, you know, that's all old school. And I'm like, that's, it's totally different. They come from <laughs> different times, you know? Like, well, I can call it first gen, first generation. There we go. I think the first gen thing would be good, you know? I think I have, like, 
First gen gatherings. <laughs> uh, first gen, first gen gatherings. You have to be what over forty five, like fifteen above. Fifty. <laughs> so, uh, and when we were talking about the coma, we we were kind of talking about like, uh, you know, you went you went to Bob Morales with AFA and were, was offering to do half pipe contests. Um, I know that kind of probably. Entice you to go and do two, like the two hip, the first half pipe contest. What was that in Minnesota? And that was why. Yeah, because he he was into it. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. What out of? I mean, I don't even know how many two hip contests you ran. What are kind of like maybe your favorite three two hip contests and and why? Three two hip. So that would be like thirty two. No, no. What, what, <laughs> no, what are like your favorite favorite like oh. favorite two hip contests oh. that you've thrown? Top three. My favorite three, two hip contest? Yeah. <laughs> 32. No. <laughs> yeah, top three, two hip contest. Three, two hip contest? Um, I don't know. They were they were all good. Because everyone had its own... Because they all had an adventure that involved trucks breaking down and ramps showing up the day before the event or or guys getting put in jail or no helpers and staying up all night before the event, putting a ramp together, all that. But yeah, I, I mean, of course, the New York Street contests are always awesome. Meet the street, the Brooklyn Bank ones. Oh yeah, didn't you? Well, they also we did Twenty Fifth Street. The Twenty Fifth Street was the second one, right? Um, I don't know. Okay, I think it was. There's a list online. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which. One of those, I don't have a date. For, I don't think I have a date for the twenty fifth New York New York contest. I I don't remember. One of those. There's I a think, couple. There's a couple. I put on the website yet to be remembered. And there's a couple events in there that I don't even. I think I couldn't gather any dates for the twenty fifth one. I think that was in nineteen ninety, and then the other one was eighty nine. The one where Volker did the four fifty off the wall. I have no idea. Yeah. Those memories that's the, expired. Yeah, that's that's just me just being like super uber nerd. So, but then you don't even know if you're right. No, I think I'm right. Well, yeah. I, I, but I don't know the exact date. But I know that one was like so ninety. You can film the date. I, I could you look up the date. I don't know. Here, since I, I can break down you that salsa, please. Yeah. I can break break down my favorite. I think I break down my favorite three two hip contests, even though I would never went to them, just as like a, a, a you know a Timmy like a, a kid just freaking out about them. Well, the way Freeson covered them was so brilliant. And then the videos, the two, the two hip contest videos, I always thought were really good back in the day too. You know, before there was props and stuff, I kind of yeah. almost feel like those two hip videos you did were almost like early precursors pre- precursors to like a video magazine. You know. <laughs> But like my my three favorites, my number one favorite, like I could literally watch it over and over, is the Flint, Michigan tube contest. Mm-hmm. Playland. Yep, in '88, that thing. <laughs> it just seemed like for that time that that the the riding level there was so high, and then you do had dudes like Lee Reynolds, I think, was at that contest killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Cole was killing it. Uh, you know, you still had oh, dude- the crowd too. Such a great crowd. The ramp looked people, awesome. People into it. Like, do you have any good memories from that contest? Total energy, yeah. I mean, the whole thing kind of blends into one good contest memory. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, the best thing was the crowd. 
Because they were so into it. I think that was the con. I remember that contest. Matt was riding. I remember seeing footage just from those two hip videos. You'd see Hoffman. He was still riding Am, and it just seemed like he was like literally going like four feet higher than everybody on that ramp. It, it was. It just seemed insane. Even like compared to like, you know, like Josh White and like you know Brian and those dudes that would just be blasting. It's just like. Well, I wasn't blasting. You were blasting. You I, oh, yeah. no, yeah, you were blasting. No, 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 don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> I, you, you almost pulled uh, the knife. Josh Wright and Brian, those guys blasting. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! You almost pulled a nine hundred no, at that contest. Kidding. You almost got, you almost got a nine hundred at that contest. Almost. Oh come on! Now I'm getting thrown under the bus. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't know actually. No, it's all good. No, we were talking earlier about Freestone magazine, and um, uh, I was telling Ron, I first magazine I subscribed to. Or even picked up was BMX Plus. Yeah. So I have no memories. I've I, I've seen the freestyle mag at your shop, you know, goods and. But um, how how was it? You were saying it was so unique, you know, Spike and uh, Lou, is it? And the Trinity. The Trinity were covering, were creating freestyle mag. Who's the Trinity? You want to name off who the Trinity is? Spike and Lou and Andy. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. those guys. Those guys made. I, I give them credit for making freestyle. <laughs> I believe big it, part, yeah. Big part of it. By the way that they covered it. Because magazines were so important in those days because there was nothing else. No, it was, it was even videos. Magazines were everyone lived by. Every month you get the magazine, every single writer would study every single oh, I'd, page. I'd oh. st- I have... I still have magazines memorized from back in the day. You could, oh, yeah. you could show me a picture and I could probably name off a caption. Which I don't know is a good thing to have, you know, like your brain full of, but I know I can still name off captions. Like, I just, like, relook at a contest or, or go over certain things. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think, you know, how those guys just started off as, like, you know, just BMX guys and how far, like, where they went, like, in the, their lives and their careers, and it all started just, like, at a, you know, BMX magazine. Yeah. And that... But all that talent going back to that BMX magazine, I think, is why that magazine still is held in such high regard with with people mm. that it, it affected when they were younger. Well, what it did for all of freestyle. Yeah, I mean, by how they covered it was was crucial. Like, I mean, when when they were done, it was like the beginning of the end. Oh, it felt it felt empty when they were done. Yeah, and then and then any any other magazine since then. Well, it went from they, 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 they made freestyle cool by how they covered it, and then all the magazines after that, all they did was cover freestyle. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 were reporting. That's but all they were doing. They weren't trying to. They weren't adding anything into exactly. the mix. Yeah, I mean, there there's of course there's like standouts like Z's photography and stuff like that and rides amazing and it's that adds tons to it but still the everything about the backbone of the magazine is what makes it you know adds to BMX or doesn't add at all yeah or it doesn't add much yeah know? yeah you know, maybe maybe they want to create a bunch of like trend fuckers that only know like five writers and maybe maybe that's what they it, want. It is, but like freestyle, they would cover because 
during those days, every single rider was completely unique from each other. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, because BMX evolved on its own in each area, because there were no videos or anything, so people weren't, like, trying to do all the same things. It was just evolving in its own way in each area, and so the styles were across the board, and the guys at Freestyle covered the whole thing. They yeah. covered on equal levels, you know, the... You know, all different types of riders. They would cover all of them. And, you know, that's what made it so cool, was that they did that. And and then, as BMX, quote, evolved, you know, then videos came out, and then, kind of like the whole world, just got more homogenized. And, yeah. And, and that's, you know, maybe that's not a problem specific to BMX, because it happens in the whole world around us everywhere <laughs> i always look at it like i was talking to uh a couple friends just about how people get into bmx now and how you got into it when you're younger and when you're younger and i'm not even trying i don't ever like trying to come across like yo i'm this salty old school guy because <laughs> i just look at bmx the way i look at it and the way i was brought up to it and if a kid loves bmx the way he loves it now yeah he you know we gonna have the same passion but i know the way you get to that level is different because when I was younger, subcultures were so hard to find and grasp onto, especially like if you grew up in a small town out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so if by the time I got a BMX bike, I was already immersing myself in BMX through magazines and just so much stuff before I even got my bike because I found that subculture that I wanted to attach myself to. So <laughs> by the time I'd gotten a bike and stuff, I was already fully like in love with BMX, mm. where nowadays I feel like a kid looks like on the internet or Instagram, which is just, it's just a different path. Mm. And they, they think they know a ton of stuff about it already because they've seen videos and it's presented to them. And then I feel like it's like a different way of courting BMX, like a different way of falling in love with it. Like a lot of these kids go in and out of it so fast, but there are a few that, you know, the few that do hang on are going to have the same passion we do, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. But, but nowadays... Everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Back in the day, like, I'd constantly spend myself, even as a top pro, making crazy money and all this stuff. Like, I'm, I'd constantly find myself telling people what BMX freestyle was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, everyone knows. What well, nowadays so, I feel like you have to tell people what it is because they have a preconceived notion of what <laughs> it is from like the X Games. <laughs> you know, like they think it's one thing, and you're like, it's not really like that. <laughs> you ride half pikes. Yeah. <laughs> Half pike, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, it, it definitely a different path. I I know when I was younger, you'd see photos of people roasting airs and stuff. And I lived in a town of like twenty five hundred people, like four hours from a freeway. That's pretty small. <laughs> Girls still rode like horses to middle school once in a while. So I'd see pictures of people going in the air, and I had like a nine foot quarter pipe, but I never really because I'd never really seen videos. We you know you'd try to approach airing a quarter pipe the way we thought in our head. <laughs> and when I finally got out of Primeville and met a few people and they, you know, they told me like push, you know, you push through the quarter and set it. Cause I'd pull really hard and land flat, you know, <laughs> maybe top out at four feet and land flat. It's like, dang, if there were videos and stuff back in the day, I'm like, I could have been like Aaron way higher when I was younger, but you never saw that. You just saw the, the one picture and you're just like, how do you get into that? Like, I remember just seeing pictures of like, you see Dino DeLuca doing one of those knack-knack X-up, like, rubber band airs, and you're just like, 
you can't even comprehend how he even got into that position. He just wanted to do it. You know, it, 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 it was weird back then because there, you know, there were no videos. So you just see the magazine and you'd have to create that trick on your own. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how it evolved to get that way anyways. Yeah. Because the people doing it, they never saw it on videos or anything. And they were just making it up as they went along. Yeah. And it was the people that you know, really pushed it that were the were the pros because yeah, because they were the ones pushing it, um, and that was the evolution of it. <laughs> when when you were younger, like I mean, I I think you you rode for GT for like a fast minute before Harrow, right? Did, a year, a year mm-hmm. before you like became pro and stuff. I know it was still like the super beginnings, but who were kind of the riders that you looked up to? I always liked the the racers that could jump real good. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I, I raced for a little bit, but I only went to races just to hit new jumps. Yeah. <laughs> that was before there was even such thing as trails. Yeah. No. Yeah. You'd just go to hit new jumps. I would, anyways. And there were certain racers that would just get rad and, and just stand out to you hot shots and yeah action those are the ones the hot that, shot pictures at the oh, end yeah. yeah like timmy judge and harry leary toby henderson like all the rad jumper racers so those dudes inspired you way more than like some i mean i don't even it's so well, hard there was so little freestyle yeah i mean the only guys that really were were like i mean when i started writing did you ever see would be like Bob Harrow or not even, not even Bob Harrow it was more like RL and Mike Buff yeah and that was pretty much it yeah that was like in the early days super first first generation right there you know yeah I mean that was it so looking for something rad you'd go to the red hot shots of the the racer jumping really good yeah um um uh Bob Medrano he was a NorCal guy who still rides. Really? Yeah. Still shreds. Like, racer that jumped really good. Sick. I remember one time I was on a I was on a gate with him in practice somewhere, someplace, and I was like, I was on the gate with Bob Medrano. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, he, did he pull you off the gate? Did he? Oh, of course. <laughs> Everybody probably did, but I didn't care. I just wanted to hit the jumps. That's awesome. <laughs> so, it, you grew up in, like, you grew up in the, the Bay Area, right? Yeah. How, I mean, did you kind of see the precursor to, like, Vanderspeck and stuff? Or I don't even really know how close Dave and those, the, the Curb Dog dudes were to your age. Were they a little bit younger, or were they a tiny bit older? Um, no, it was pretty much, I was probably a little bit older. No, it was pretty much the same time. Okay, cool. Yeah, because it was a, it was a handful of guys that rode in the whole Bay Area. Yeah. And guys would get together at Golden Gate Park. It, it seems like... And, that small crew was just so influential to, I mean, kind of street riding and just oh, yeah. style. Just, I, I don't know. It, 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 if you look at stuff, it always kind of just goes back to that, that Golden Gate crew, and you see old photos, and it's just yeah. There's one photo you probably seen. It. It's, it's easily a top three BMX photo ever. Is is uh, what's his face Vander. Uh, Vander's job took it. Yeah, Vander doing a bunny hop table. The one that's like oh, four yeah, feet up. Golden you... Gate Park, totally flat, and it's just the raddest photo ever. I got that. I got it from Drob and like 
scanned what, it like what, super high res. And what year do you, is that? Like probably like eighty three or something. Yeah, something like that. Dude, that photo is nuts because you see the photo and a it's an amazing tabletop. And his bike probably weighs like eighty pounds. B he's like, <laughs> dude, he's so high off the ground. And then if you really think about, I don't even know, he's probably riding like some weird old red line or something with an 18 inch top tube it just makes it even crazy i mean that photo definitely is like top three bmx photos oh, yeah. ever like doesn't he run a bike shop or does he run a bike shop at all drob that no they got what's what's vander, vander? yeah yeah vander specs no, path suicide oh uh, mid school mid school right here oh yeah doesn't know no oh, no yeah. Uh, oh yeah no scratch that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to when uh, I was doing phone Didn't calls. Didn't he invent a No. <laughs> hey, right now I'm thinking back to uh, when I was doing phone calls with Two Hip. And uh, speaking of. Oh, the highest bunny hop, my bad. The guy that, that held the highest bunny hop exactly. for a while. I don't know, he had a shop and I was calling for a little while. Like Ronnie Anderson or something? I don't remember the guy's name. I remember there were many. Hmm. Jeez. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, God bless him. My bad. Some racer dude, I think. The, so the first issue of BMX Plus I ever saw, which was like 95, I think it was Brian Lopes. Or Lopez, the Brian Lopes? Racer. No, was another guy. <laughs> but there's all, all kind of guys like that who claim it. Yeah, it's like right. it's like people telling you their uncle invented the backflip. Right. You know, their, their cousin did the highest bunny hop ever. Yeah. Mm. So, um... Yeah, so then after... What what about what year did you end up moving like to Southern California and stuff? Oh, I got sponsored by Haro. It was, it was like eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. When we were driving over here, I can't. Uh, eighty four. Yeah, end of eighty. Yeah, December eight eighty four. December eighty four. Yeah. So I was thinking on the way over here, and I was like, "That's how come?" And I I, I literally don't know, and it's just I it, I kind of always wondered. Because I know you, I think you lived in SoCal at that time. I couldn't shit. How come, uh, did you ever ride in the pipeline contest, or was that just kind of not one. You, you rode in one? Just to, just, I mean, we were from NorCal, and we never rode any cement or anything like that at all. And we just went and, and just never, having never rode it for it, just, just entered it. But we were mainly, like, doing flatland tricks on the side of the bowls, because we <laughs> Was that felt, bowl super gnarly? Felt so... So inadequate compared to Mike and those guys that they rode that all the time. That's the kind of thing where you gotta like ride all the time. It looks it looks like a crazy ball. Yeah, I was just always wondering. I'm like, well, Ron Ron rode back then. I'm like, I just you know, and I I see like uh oh freaking now I'm having a, a brain fart. Uh, what's the name of the road for Skyway? Great Nor- NorCal dude. Uh, crazy guy. Oh Hugo Hugo. God, how did I even forget I that? Know. You'd see Hugo riding the contests, you know, but I don't know if he lived in SoCal at that time. No, he was NorCal. He was NorCal, so he'd just come down there and just he boss just it. Go crazy. Just, just go crazy. <clears throat> I mean, that's why he was he was popular, because he would just go crazy and just go like 50 miles an hour at something. And like do the, do the fence out ride out of the bowl and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Take it, and that's why he would... People remember it. Did you used to ride a Hugo a little up in NorCal? <laughs> um, not really, because we were in North Bay and he was like San Jose. Okay. Well, of course, we'd see um, different things because it's such a small scene, you know. People would. 
I feel like Hugo was kind of that first to like the super crazy pros. You know how like each generation's got this like kind of pro, like you know, like the Dave Young or just that dude that just kind of goes balls out, and everybody's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they're so psyched or like. When Colin Winkleman kind of first came out and did all these crazy gaps. Oh, when they come out, you wouldn't know what to expect. And everybody's like, oh, here it goes. Yeah. I feel like Hugo was like the first generation of that. Like he just, you know, you see all that footage of him. He'd do something rad and the next minute he'd just be like knocked out. He invented that. Yeah, I think he did invent it. So, um, I got a couple little questions on here that some people sent through to me. And I should have hit this one up earlier. But Kevin Martin wrote in, and he wanted to know. <laughs> we we went over. He he wanted to know what your favorite two hip contest was, which we kind of touched base on. But he wanted to know how many, if you remember, how many engines he blew up driving the ramp to two oh, hip events. Thank you. <laughs> well, that would tie into one of my most memorable contests. Well, let's hear it. That would probably be when we got a brand new diesel dually. Wasn't brand new. It was. It cost like crap a lot of money, I remember. Yeah. And that was when we got sponsored by Vision for everything, so we had all this money laying around, so we bought a diesel dually, and we got a custom-made, it was like 10 and a half foot tall inside dimension enclosed trailer. Oh, wow. The thing was pulling it from, from San Diego to Austin, and then it was going to go from there to Schenectady, and then from there to D.C., but like few hours out of San Diego towing this massive thing with this ramp that would take apart in really pieces. The engine blew out. And uh, and then Kevin was there while we, we got it fixed. And then they got it fixed and then drove straight to Austin. And they got there the day before the event. Was that the dock? The, the barge. The barge contest? The barge, yeah. <laughs> put the ramp together on a barge, which you know we had never done before. And no one ever done before. well of course no one ever done before and then we put it together and that that thing moved so much Dude, but it was just it was just fun <laughs> it looked like people were still killing it but that it, it i've always so gnarly would you just like get a hard pump and then the ramp would be in a completely different spot coming oh, down no every time every pump the ramp would move <laughs> like you'd you'd pump up it and then you'd take off and the ramp would like move back and forth <laughs> and then as you're coming down it Hopefully it's it's on the the back part of the movement so you don't hang up. That's crazy. Sometimes it wouldn't be, and then you'd hang up. So did the truck did the truck make it up to the northeast after that, or did Kevin? Yeah, after that, the new engine. But uh, yeah, that awesome jam was awesome because they got here like the day before the event, and then we had a crew of people to help put it together. And I remember I remember once during the day. Like I went to, I went to a Mexican joint to get food for everybody. Yeah, and I left, and it was super hot. And I left, and everyone was working to get. I went to get food for everybody, and then when I got back, the ramp was in the same place it was when I left. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just, then I got everyone moving again, and then we put it together and got it done like late at night. And uh, the contest started the next morning. Was that? I think that contest was that. That was in '88, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's. I think the first year Vision started sponsoring stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let Let's move forward a little. I know you, because I, 
I just know a few people you were on tour with this time, so I know there was crazy shit happening. But I know when you used to do the warp tours, and you'd have like the two hip guys on warp tours. I know you had like Cam Birdwell <laughs> and Dave Tom, and I know Cam. I've known Cam since he was a little kid, and I know he was. Dude, like, Cameron Birdwell got a phone call to requesting an interview at Apple. What? He went cuz he he learned he learned some special thing and he was like known for that. They found like out recently? they called Cam for an interview. He got a job. He now works at Apple. <laughs> at, at the the peak of where you could be in this computer industry, Cam is right there working for like if you work for Apple you, you can do anything you ever want in the universe. <laughs> he, he works for Apple. Cameron Birdwell. Who, well, let's go back to when know. Cam was like about fifteen and on the Warp Tour. Are you kidding? Uh, Cameron Birdwell. Give, give, give me a crazy because I've heard crazy stories from Dave Tom about them getting kicked off of the Warp Tour. But give me a good crazy Cam Birdwell story from the well, Warp Tour. Can I use that one? You, you can use any one you want. I mean, is that the craziest one? Well, when I get a phone call. From Cam saying they just got out of jail and guy sent him money for to get home <laughs> when they get kicked off the the Warp tour. They're no, they're on the Warp tour, which is like twenty punk rock bands or whatever. And they got the two hip riders got kicked off of a punk rock tour. Like, like <laughs> do you know what? Like, like what? Uh, kicked off of a punk rock tour. <laughs> like, <laughs> How how do you do any better than that? Do you, do you know what? How do you how how do you do any better than that? Well, do you know how? I never really knew what made him got get kicked off. Well, I'm sure, just every show there'd be like free beer and all that kind of stuff, and they'd free food everywhere, and like you're on a tour bus. Another time we stayed at Cam's house, and I remember he told us after we went to bed, it was me and Brennan Britton. Uh, he told us we couldn't stand up at night because he was dating some stripper and her ex-boyfriend wanted to kill him so if we stood up maybe he'd see us in the windows or something and shoot us so like me and brandon like slept under a coffee table at his front room and we were like so scared that night that what that we were just gonna get shot or something and and he was like so dead serious but he's like it was like when he had, remember when he had that lowrider Cadillac or whatever? And he was like so serious. He's like, just don't get up in the middle of the night. And we're like, what? He's like, I'm serious. He's like, you guys should sleep under there. And I'm like, oh. You know, you're on a BMX trip and you're like, fuck it. I need a place to stay. We're, we're here. We're, we're staying at this joint, you know? So, yeah, that, that's, that's the Cam Birdwell stories. Oh. And now he works at Apple. Where's he working? He's working at Apple. So yeah, those are that's just the tip of the iceberg of stories. Give us give us a good ramp club story. <laughs> that's that's just whatever you just said times that by a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, never ending. Get, do you guys? Do you have? I, any? I went to some. I went to some strip club in San Jose. I don't know why, I just had time to kill or something. Maybe there was like a lot of traffic, so I'm like, oh, I'll go to a strip club. And so I go to a strip club, and like, I'm in there checking out these girls, and like this, this stripper girl that like comes and like picks me up. She's like, you want 
we're talking. She's like, "Gonna oh, be with me and my friend." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that worked out." And it was it was something like tied to Cam somehow. I just remember Cam came up and I don't know if one of the girls was new Cam or had been with Cam or something like that. I don't know, but that was Cam. I think Cam knew all all the strippers in uh, the San Jose area. <laughs> uh, so here I got a I got a question here. This one's from Eben Krakow. Uh, Eben. So and we got to touch on it because you know I, I'm a I'm always been a super nerd about Wilkerson Airlines and stuff. Like, I mean I I love it's my favorite bike. But he wants to know going here here's here's his exact words going into one of the biggest recessions in BMX at the end of '89. What made you decide to quit longtime sponsor Haro and start Wilkerson Airlines? And then I have a part two to the question. Mm. So, well, that was a perfect time to start it because that's when they like, weeded out all the all the people in it for the wrong reasons, and and then it would be just the real people involved. And that was a perfect time to start it because then after that, then it would only the hardcore people would be left. Yeah. So you just were like, screw it, I'm just going to go for it? It was a natural... Well, that was also my... A, excuse me. Cider. That was an idea I had in the back of my head for years, and it was the right time because Haro was uh, <coughs> cutting salaries back to negative money. and Was that right about when uh, Bob sold the company? After. After? It was like a year after. Okay. And then all of a sudden, one year, we're getting like, you know, crazy checks per month. And then the next year, they did some kind of like contingency thing where we get paid by the bikes they sold or something, and we get like nothing. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And Evan wanted to know. Uh, he goes, when you were finding inspiration for the frame design, because I feel like, and I've talked to Evan about it. I mean, even precursor to standard and like, you know, Hoffman bikes. That was kind of one of the first, like, kind of starting of the overly built BMX bike. Um, he just wanted to know where you got in, drew inspiration from the frame design, and he feels like you were years ahead, like with the dropouts. How you kind of made them a little bigger. It seemed like to kind of save the hubs for grinding. You know, you had the bigger dropouts back then. Yeah. So like, where where did you kind of draw the inspiration or come up with the ideas for the the frame? But it was just kind of a uh, stuff sitting around in my head, yeah, for a long time, and and you know, from riding Haro's for so many years that were underbuilt, and then getting some made in USA where we can do it however we want, and for riders, and and uh, it was just kind of and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never classify the the riot as overbuilt. Because it's not, it's not that heavy. How heavy is the frame? I, I feel like if you don't have the bash guard on it, it's not overly yeah, heavy. Not at all. It's, it's like a normal Because it, did, it didn't have... It was like right before the super thick dropouts right. came out, too. The, the Port Kamali, that's that's overbuilt. That's definitely overbuilt. Yeah, I remember when I first saw the Although, ads... You, it's the last bike you ever buy. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you ride, what, a pork aluminum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember seeing the ads for the Wilkerson Airlines and like literally don't the, the the frame like it like just entranced me and then just thinking of like a bolt on bash guard at the time, 
that just seems so insane. Then you can grind all you want and you can just change it to a new one. Yeah, like I was just, I was like blown away. I mean, I would just be like picturing the no foot tabletop sticker in my head all the time. Just because I, I remember Andy Jenkins. Andy Jenkins drew that sticker. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I remember putting a pre-order in with Trend for a bike, and it was like six months ahead of time. I don't know. It wasn't Andy Jenkins. It wasn't? Oh, who was it? He did some other ones we came up with later. It was the same dude that did the Riders Never Die shirt. I know which, the one with the graveyard on the back. I have to re-release that shirt. I've been saying that for years. That shirt was dope. Because rad shirts never die. Yeah, that shirt was awesome. Oh, I, I don't know if there's a better shirt than that. That one was good, but that that guy's art is. Un- I tried to get a hold of him. He's a friend I met through Eddie Roman. He used to live across the street from him or something. I tried to track him down. Never could get a hold of me. His art was just unbelievable. Yeah, that shirt was awesome. That guy's art was amazing. Um, I don't even know where it's going. I was probably just rambling about the bike like I do to everybody about how much I I liked it. What made you? Okay, here's a question with the frame design. What made you? Because I know. Your, yours may have been one of the first bikes with the peg bosses. Yeah. But you had the Botamo style forks on the front with the peg bosses low. What was kind of behind that idea? Well, I just thought, well, wouldn't it be easier to do like rails and stuff if your pegs are a little lower? Yeah. That was my thinking. I learned handrails downstairs with my pegs. And then I thought, <laughs> well, if they don't want that, they can just put on the, on the axle. Yeah, I learned, I learned handrails with my pegs on the low spot. People oh, yeah. still think it's so crazy nowadays. I'm like, I slid like 11 stair rails with my pegs there. I always I'm, thought that would be so much easier for some reason. But in reality, it would probably be really easier if they were higher up. Because then you just dip it lower. <laughs> then you wouldn't have to jump as high. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I just thought, I don't know why I thought. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, what? A, here's what I was saying. Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember you guys having well, like trend having the bikes up for pre-order, and I remember calling Tina probably once a week, <laughs> asking if the bikes because you just didn't understand it back then. You just see in the ma- magazines, or they'd have available now, probably because you thought the bikes were going to be coming at a certain time. <laughs> And they weren't. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, I remember calling her all the time. I was pure hell. To get the bike. I remember calling your office, and I'd be like, maybe I'm talking to Ron Wilkerson on the phone. I don't even know. But I was probably the most annoying, you know, 15-year-old at the time <laughs> to both of you guys. Well, you were normal. I was normal? I'm sure. What, what was the... It, it sounds like the bikes were kind of a headache to get made. Didn't you have... Did Kasten oh make God. them to it start was, off? No, it was it was uh, Mike Devitt. At SE? SE. Okay. Yeah, but they would, they would tell us that, oh yeah, I'd call there all the time, because it's always late, and it's supposed to be, and, and they'd say, oh, it's at the Painters and Planters, that was like their biggest excuse, and, and they used that one for years, and they would, they would delay me for months, saying they're the Painters and Planters, and, and then like, I started doing I started doing bikes, two hip bikes from a different manufacturer. At the same time, I was doing it from him. Yeah. And I'd use the same painters and platers. And I, I was calling about our other bikes. And I'd say, oh, what about these other bikes from, from Mike David at NSE? He has for me, he says they've been there for a while. They're like, oh, no. We, we have a policy that things don't stay here more than a couple of days. 
Oh man! <laughs> because if they stay here longer than that, they they rust and blah blah blah. I'm just like, oh, it's gutted because I've been told that story for year, really years. Yeah, for them delaying me for months, months at a time, waiting for batches of bikes to get done. <laughs> so. You did yeah. Wilkerson Airlines. You started Wilkerson Airlines in like '89, and what did it run to? '94, and then you switched the name. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I read somewhere this other day for some reason. Someone said something like they I changed the name because I didn't want my ex-wife to get it. Or that's a like that. I, I was <laughs> I read that. Shad one. made that up. No, I wow, heard that. that. Some somebody told wow, where that come from? Somebody told me they're like, oh, when Ron and his his ex-wife got a divorce. She got the name Wilkerson Airlines, and he had to change it to Two Hip. And I was like, "Really? Like you just you know? You, there's so many BMX rumors you hear. What what made you prompt? What what what? Okay, let, let's clear the air. What prompted you to actually change the name? Well, Bubaka means, <laughs> means tribal well, leader in African, and it's when you lie on the back wheel first, and you go back in. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that's right. So no real reason to change the and name. Then, Backwards drop-ins, put the front wheel in, and you go in backwards. Uh, I invented those tricks, both of them. What ones? I did, Bruce. Bruce doesn't know. Oh, wait, what were we talking about? Chad been to the fast plant. <clears throat> oh, yeah, the name. No, when I first started to make bikes, it was when contests were super big for me and my business, and I, I'm thinking, well, if I start a company and I call it two-hip bikes and companies won't send their riders in my contest so I better make a new name so I'm like okay and then I came up with Wilkerson Airlines and and then uh, and then excuse me it's alright and then everybody we're, they're drink, everybody's drinking some beers in here it's all right. good and then and then so I started Wilkerson Airlines did that for years and then after a while then then Matt's I stopped doing contests, so I wanted to focus on bikes, and then Matt started doing contests, and then then Matt was doing contests, and then he started Hoffman Bikes. I'm like, ah! Oh, I didn't even have to change it! <laughs> because, look, Matt did it. And everyone, so then I, I just made two, I'm like, well, I'll just make them all in one name. Two it bikes. Alright, so so there's, that, there's just, we're clear in the air. There's no no crazy. No one got the name or anything. Definitely no ex-wife stories. <laughs> Literally, I've had like four people tell me that. And I'm like, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> I just read that the other day. I was like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, I got a question here. Since we're still talking about the uh, the the wall frames, she she got my ass. She didn't get any names or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, well, I don't even have, I don't have it written down who wanted to know, but, but she didn't get me. I read the book. Uh, somebody was wanting to know if you're ever going to re-release, maybe like uh, re-release the Stout Boy or maybe re-release the Wilkerson Airlines Riot frame, like do a limited re- edition releases of any of the vintage frames. I want, if BMX collector, collectors need to know, there was one batch of Stout Boy frames that... We got made at some dude in Florida, and it was in the time where we were, like, running on line, like, the money we used for the bikes, like, there was no, nothing left over, so we already paid this guy to deposit all that, we get, we wait forever, we finally get the bikes in, this is a new manufacturer after I moved from 
mic to someone else. Oh, that was a time when I was using two manufacturers. When I called this the painter. Yeah, yeah, story. yeah. Anyways, he made this. I, I stripped the guy's name out of my memory. Who the manufacturer? He's still involved in it somehow. He made us a batch of frames that the sprocket, a forty-four tooth, yeah, which was normal, a forty-four tooth would hit the chainstay. Really? Yes, we put it together and it hit. You couldn't put spacers in, nothing. And we were so strapped, and I, I don't know why I didn't call the dude. Uh, yeah, sure. All right, so. Yeah, so that dude made a batch of frames where the sprocket hit the chainsay, and I don't know why. Maybe we waited so long for the frames, we finally got them that we were so psyched, or I didn't call the dude and say, we need our money back. Because, also, we didn't send them official drawings and CAD and all that kind of stuff. So maybe he could just said, well, I made blah, 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 how you wanted. But still, he should have known that 44 Tooth Sprocket needed to fit there. Any manufacturer would have known that then. But still, we didn't call and say we want our money back. We just never did anything with him again. But we had a batch of frames where we, we had to grind down... The chainstay to for a forty-four tooth to fit, and we put a note in it that if there's ever any because it's not a high high impact area that the chainstay that where sprocket hits yeah and that's and that's a real weak that's not did, a, was there a hole there when you grind it or did you like re weld sometimes it? no there'd be a hole <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah we we grind it so it'd fit and we sold them like that I'm le- I had <laughs> a, a note that said if there's ever any warranty problems we'll give you a new one. But this is a high, not a high impact area, and and we never had any problems. I had a stout boy, but mine didn't have the hole in it. So if anyone has one with a hole in it, they got a super rare one. <laughs> All right. Okay. We had to sell. It was the worst feeling ever. <laughs> worst. We had to sell frames that we grinded down, and and we didn't even repaint or anything. We just grinded them down and sold them like, like that. I had to sell bikes with grind, grinded down chainsaws here's, so the sprocket would fit. Here's something for the collectors, because, you know, I'm a collector. There's there's lots of collectors probably listening to this. <laughs> I haven't seen any, not a single stout boy frame with that grind since then. I've never seen it. I've seen a few, too, and I've never seen any with the grind hole. Um, speaking of frames, do you kind of remember any of the, like, numbers you'd run on the frames? Like, how many, like, maybe riots you ran, or how many, like, big boys or stout boys or even porks that you ran numbers on? Well, Parks we probably made the most of. Really? We ran ran those for years, but riots, you know, batches would be like 150, 200. So pretty small batches for... Yeah, but no, it was huge. Oh, is that huge for then? I don't even know. What... No way. Yeah. Had to come with all that money. And it was frame and oh. fork and batch and go back come then. with the money and pay deposit and not have the frames forever. Before we got them to make any money back, how many uh, how many rides do you think you made God. in total? Not many, probably, probably hmm, five hundred. Wow, that that's crazy. I yeah. figured so for me thousand. You know, so for me to have three at the shop, I'm doing pretty that's, good right that's now. Super damn good. 
Wow. <laughs> and then, do you think the numbers on the Big Boy and Stout Boy were even less, or were they a little bit more? Um. Well, we did stuff for years, so probably probably about the same. Okay. Okay, we're back again. So, um, let me pull up some other questions. Let's see what some people are. All right, we got the Joe C from Instagram wanted to know uh, what happened to Ron releasing a book. Is there any new more news on that? Oh, definitely. I got one. After that. next year, I'm gonna release it. You're gonna release the book next yeah. year. I've been uh, working on it for like God. What year is it now? It's 2015. Um, my whole life, really, but more than 15 years. What's the book? I mean, for people that don't know, which I don't even know. I know yeah. Bruce has mentioned you've written. What's it going to be about? Collection of stories. Just stories? All leading to a point. Okay. Is the book going to be probably fairly it's easy? It's not a BMX book. It's just a book of stories. Of course, the BMX is in it. Yeah. can separate the two, but... It's definitely not a BMX book. All right, then. I mean, I wouldn't... And it's definitely not a kid's book. I wouldn't think so. No question, no. Well, we already went over Cam Birdwell, so I'm... That's why I can't release it until next year. Because there's some stuff I want to do. All right. I have to get sponsors, and no one's going to sponsor me after a book release. (laughs) (laughs) We got this... We got... I won't care after next year. <laughs> now you make me really want to read the book. Uh, here's here's a question. Darren Ho wants to know, or how, or ho, I don't know. I'm calling him a ho. Uh, when was the last time you wrote a coaster break? Darren the ho? Darren Ho. Oh. That's Darren who ho. asked. Oh, okay. That's different than Darren the ho. It's not Darren the ho. He, he could be a ho. I don't, I'm not sure. But he wants to know when the last time you wrote a coaster break was. Dude, if street riders nowadays knew how rad a coaster egg was, there'd be like a resurgence. I thought the same thing. I'm like, you know There's how nothing they... better than riding street with a coaster rake. You can't do any better than that. You could maybe have a free coaster that you could flip into a coaster rake or something. ATS free coaster. Yeah, just like the old one, like a newer version of it. Like no, you don't need you don't need that riding street. You don't need to ever need a freewheel. Why do you ever need a freewheel riding street? I guess why if, you, if you're not riding vert or something like if the coaster. If you could figure out the slop, or you could like yeah. set it or something, then you could do a bubikas and stuff. But to, like, it would it would open up a whole new range of tricks that's never been done before. The coaster, free coaster shell. Just a coaster. If, if street guys knew, Todd now, Todd Anderson would be so happy if they came out with a new coaster. <laughs> he still rides one. Really? Yeah, I, I saw he's he still. <clears throat> I saw him at one of the Woodward yeah, Old School things. And he's if you look back, so the coaster, just no standing way. on that coaster break. Uh, when do you think the last time you rode a coaster was? Um, well, I rode him for those Germany uh, shows. Oh, for the Haro yeah, shows. I had a free coaster, actually. <clears throat> I won't speak anything about those ramps, but. <laughs> I rode a coaster for those. But yeah, I mean, once you... I don't think like riding a bike. Once cr- you ride a coaster, you, you can always ride a coaster. I can't ride a coaster. Every time I do it, I just stand on it when I'd land. But did you ever ride one? 
I tried to when our wheels would blow out and I'd have to ride a coaster brake and it's just right. So you never really rode one. No, no. I'd yeah. take the brake shoes out and make it a free coaster, like yeah. a full free coaster. Once you ride a coaster, you can always ride one. Yeah, the, the ramps. I don't think they agreed to Craig Campbell when you guys were over there in Germany. It seemed like that ramp bit him pretty good. Anyone, both years we did it, the ramps were fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> so was, for just seeing you guys, was more of an insult than anything. <laughs> Okay. That so, we had to do a show and those ramps was the biggest insult. And I've didn't you ever reply to doing a 540? I love, I love Gracie. I love, uh, he knows it. But <laughs> those ramps, oh my, it was, there was nothing worse than those ramps. Wow. All right. Not to mention, and this is not even part of it, that it rained all the time there and we got zero practice. Both years we did the shows, we got zero practice, zero practice on the most horrible ramps ever and you're riding old school bikes and on old school bikes with the coaster brake <sighs> like that those shows made us look so stupid i'm embarrassed i i just vanessa vanessa had a video up the other day about this oh look at this it was like one of the video from those shows i'm just like oh it was really hard to watch see i never just watch it because we can do and and actually, it's really funny. It's really funny because just seeing that the other day and feeling how embarrassed I was of those shows made me feel like we have to do more shows so I can do it right. <laughs> 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 because those are so horrible. I mean, because we could do a show and, like, I rode in that Gumby show, the bike it thing he did in Oregon with Nor- or whatever. With Dave Norrie down down in southern Oregon? Yes. I I was fucking on it in Flatland. I had, I didn't even practice for that show. I pulled every single Flatland trick I did in that show. And it was just I just nailed every one. I'm just like, holy crap, that ramp wasn't very good either. But I saw the picture of that still, ramp. It looked a little sketchy. Yeah, it was horrible. But by pull of Flatland tricks that's all you cared about. So, but on that sketchy ramp, didn't you air over Blyther doing a 540 on that sketchy ramp? Wow, that was that was amazing. We pulled that trick, and it was on old school and bikes. It was like inches. It was inches apart. Oh yeah, inches. I remember seeing that, and I was like, he "Holy was spinning, shit!" It was just like inches away, and we pulled that. And it was the best. <laughs> it made up for the whole horrible show we did before it. That that I thought it was insane that you guys did that. <laughs> like, when yeah. was the last time you probably didn't? Air over Brian doing a 540. Forever ago. 80s? Yeah, Brian doesn't want to do doubles with me because every time we do, I'm like, I, I do something wrong or my mind's somewhere else. <laughs> oh but I did it that time. What? It worked. What's the, okay, not to bring up bad things, but what's, I'm sure you've done tons of double runs in your life. What what was like the, the awesomest or the worst episode of a doubles run you ever you ever had (laughs) (laughs) well that was well we're we're practicing for the swatch impact tour and they had the ramp set up in a warehouse in san diego we were like getting ready for the show and me and brian were working on doubles and we both thought we were going over the other and and we hit each (laughs) other in midair like head on yeah oh my god like brian was fine of course but i broke my ankle and that was right before Schenectady, New York. That's why I didn't ride in that contest. And and I I broke my ankle, and then 
And that was like back in the brand new days and they were just starting to put plates in and stuff like that. And yeah. I had surgery and I got screws or plates put in or something like that. And then I flew to Schenectady and I'm on the plane, a full flight. And during the middle of flight, I had to go back to where like all the stewardesses are and all that and like lay down on the ground and put my leg up against the wall so I could have my leg above my heart during the flight. Oh, wow. I talked him into letting me stay there, laying on the ground in the back of a plane with my legs sticking up because it was hurting so bad because I just had surgery. And I'm not supposed to fly after surgery, but I was doing it anyway. (laughs) No, really, because you can get, like, bud clots. Oh, you can, can't you? Yeah, that's that's why you're not supposed to do that. But it worked out fine for me, as long as I put my leg up. But anyways... Yeah, was, yeah, that was the worst one. What about when you you'd broken your leg, or was it your you you had had a, a, a compound fracture? Was it? I never broke anything. No, wait, wait. What are you talking about? And you were on a tour bus, and you hit a bump, and a TV fell on your leg or something. Oh, I heard about that. I what was that about? That was a different one altogether. Oh, another break. Didn't have to do with doubles. Oh, <laughs> well, I want to hear that one again. Oh, now that was a motorcycle. Well, first I had the. Uh, I was going down, going down this steep hill by my house, and it's a two-lane road. And I, just that week, I'd called because my front rotors were bent on my motorcycle. And you know they, the front rotors are bent. Excuse me. And they'd work like every time the wheel went around, just like a bike wheel. And so I just called that week to find out how much like new used ones would cost, and. I didn't order them, but then that weekend I just, actually I just went, had a meeting with a bank loan for two hip and the meeting went real good and I was all stoked and I, I drove home and like went around this curve going down this steep hill and like there was a car stopped in front of me to turn right, like some people like just turn right, other people like stop and then turn, this guy was stopped, I remember seeing that car going, man I've had good brakes, I could stop in time, and I just grabbed the brakes and like like a bike, wheel, it works every time the wheel ran around. It's like, eh, 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 eh. and then the last rotation, just like a bike, the last rotation, you're going slow enough to where the next time it goes around, it grabs. Yeah, just like a bike. And well, it's a more, it's a bike, and it grabbed, and I saw the tire like inches from the bumper, and it grabbed and stopped, and I went over the bars because it grabbed. And then I hit the back of this SUV and I fell to the ground. And as I was falling, my leg got wedged in between the hitch of the car and the bumper. Oh! So, and I'm sideways, like laying with my leg wedged in there. And then the guy started driving. So I got drug. I got drug sideways by my leg. He didn't know he hit you. And that's when my. Are bones, you hitting him? I don't know. Some, some, some like a psychic guy told me that he was really stoned. <laughs> but, but no, I got a reading by some like numer- no, he's, he's some like some like some like energy worker guy who was crazy, and like he, he told me about the accident. He told me, oh, he was really stoned. Like, um, yeah, he must have been because <laughs> they po- luckily he heard me screaming through my helmet, and then he stopped. And I pulled my leg out. And it was like blood everywhere, and then I'm like looking back, like pulling my bike out of the road. And then that was the first part of the accident. And then 
I got I got an external fixator put on, which is where they drill holes, two holes in your thigh and two holes, oh, Xander, in your ankle, and they put in poles, and they connect them all with like an adjustable pole. They can get it right in the exact position. Hi, Xander. And then, and then, uh, so I had external fixator in, and then a month later, we're going to... <laughs> Hi, Xander. Just a minute. Just a minute. Just a minute. Okay. <laughs> He's like, okay. So, so the month later, we Tulip Team was doing the Props Mega Tour thing, and I'm like, well, I'll just ride out with him and fly home. Which you're not supposed to fly home after surgery, <laughs> but anyways, I was gonna do that. And then we're in the back of, I'm in the back of a 40-foot motorhome with like 20 pillows under my leg trying to stop the vibrations. And everyone is like smoking and all that kind of stuff. And like, we're driving along and it's like, oh, just a minute, Xander, just a minute. Okay, okay no, sorry. I'm sorry. Too and, long. Oh yeah, so we're uh, 20, 20 pillows under my leg. And then like, uh, we get by the Arizona Border and the driver, forty foot motorhome, fell asleep. Oh no! And like the driver fell, fell asleep, asleep. Driver fell asleep and hit the median, and we were on like eighty in like a forty foot motorhome. Hit the median, and when he hit the median, the TV. I'm laying in the back of a motorhome. TV flew out and landed on my already broken leg and broke it again. And then he <laughs> swerved, so he hit the median. Swerve, swerve sideways, completely sideways, and a 40 foot motorhome going like, by then it was maybe slowed down to like 60, I don't know. Or sideways, and then he like counter swerved, so then it was like the other way, skidding both times. I just remember, I just remember getting tossed around the back of this motorhome, me and the TV, and all this other shit getting thrown around, blah, blah, blah. And like, I just remember the sounds like, and then I was like, the other way, and then like, the blank, the, the sheet of the bed wrapped around my leg, and there was a window right next to the bed of the motorhome that had popped out during all this, and the oh sheet, sheet kept me from flying out the window, <laughs> and then me and my broken, second broken, broken leg, and then it, it all stopped, and I'm like, we didn't roll, we, we didn't roll, <laughs> That was unbelievable. unbelievable. But the TV fell on your leg, and yeah, and then I, and then and then we drove like twenty miles an hour on the side of the road, and every bump was killing at that point because my leg was rebroken. <laughs> and then and luckily there was a hospital sign like one of the next exit or something like that, and I went to a hospital, and they're like, okay, well you need to go back to your doctor in California, blah blah blah. And then my girlfriend at the time like. Drove the two-hit van out to get me in Arizona, and she was driving. I'm in the back of the van with my leg up, and she drove me back to my doctor. And they're like, "Well, you're not gonna be a, you're not gonna be able to do this and there." So they took out the external fixer and gave me like a big old cast. Oh my god! Yeah, and then but then story continues. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like six or eight months later. My my, I had the cast off, and it was the very first day I was riding again. First day I could even move, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna ride. So like, 
I set the quarter pipe down at this church or something, like, down the hill from where I lived in Felton. We set up the quarter pipe, and I was riding the quarter pipe, and I was all stoked. And then I had this weird pain that I hadn't... I'm pretty familiar with the pains in my leg at that point. And it was this weird pain I hadn't had before, and I'm just like, there's something wrong here. And then, like, I go to the, I go to the, the hospital, the hospital in Santa Cruz, which is, like, real good at, like, first aid. So I go in there, and, like, they... They check me in. I'm in the hospital, and they check me in for a night. All these doctors come interview me, and then, like, oh, we'll let you go. And they give me all these pain pills, and go see your other doctor on Monday. We made you an appointment. It's, like, Thursday. And, like, so I go home, and then, like, I'm taking, like, five times the pain pill they gave me. It's still hurting, and, like, and I, like, I took a bath, and I had my leg up and leg up in the air, because I had to be up in there. And I saw all these, like, weird things on my legs I hadn't seen before. I'm like, oh shit, this is serious. So I drove myself to Stanford Hospital and they checked me in. I was in the hospital for a month. What? What was wrong with I had a staph infection. Oh my God. Bone staph infection. And immediately, immediately they're like, you're not going to be able to recover with all that hardware in there. So immediately we went into surgery and they took out all the hardware. God, dude. (laughs) And then, well, it was really cool because like, I was, like, joking around, with, like, before the surgery, like, they did all their shit to me, and then, like, they're pushing me to the operating room, and I'm, like, laughing around with the people pushing me, and then, I'm like, what about this doctor? I forgot his name. I have underwear with his name on it. <laughs> 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 I, got, I got this underwear in China, or some, and it, Bolino, his name was Dr. Bolino in Stanford, and I'm, like, like what's this doctor? This is, like is this doctor any good that's gonna do this shit to me? And they're like, they're like, they're pushing me like, he's the best. I'm like, what? And they're like, he's the best. I'm like, alright. I'm, like, I'm all good. Then I'm at Stanford, one of the best hospitals in the world, getting operated on by one of the best doctors. And I'm like, oh, things are gonna be alright. How's your leg feel now? Oh, it's, it took a year. It was, don't mess with compound fractures. It took years. Years. Years of therapy, it's not official therapy, but my own therapy. Mm-hmm. You can't count on official therapy because ninety-five mm-hmm. percent of people that are official therapies know less than I knew about how to recover from accidents. But years of therapy, every step is therapy for years. You got to like make sure your legs straight when you're walking every step for years. Oh, yeah. And Jeez. you have to, like, constantly be doing therapy to push your leg in the position it's supposed to go. Because when your leg, when you get a break or something like that, if you don't use, use it or lose it. And if you, your your bones make things called adhesions, your muscles do. And if you don't use them, then, you know, you meet someone and they'll, like, they'll bend their elbow, like, quarter away. And they're like, that? oh, yeah, I broke my elbow before. Like, this is as far as I can bend it. Can you bend it all the way? No. Yeah, you're one of those guys. You're, you're the guy I always tell stories about. <laughs> yeah. You meet guys like you, and they're like, see, I can't, I broke my elbow once, so I can only bend it this much. Because they didn't break through the adhesions. I didn't even go to the doctor when I broke it. I just see? broke it and got a sling. And yeah, I actually went on a mega tour with S&M two days after I broke it yeah. to New York. It was it was horrible, yeah. but fun. See? see? Filmed with your left hand. You gotta I break rode through. around New York City went- with left hand. <laughs> I saw a dude the other day, a one-handed BMX rider. I saw that dude too, yeah. That was 
rad. I was so inspired. I've seen it. This dude was doing tricks one-handed, riding a skateboard with awesome. one arm. Yeah. How rad is that? Okay. Oh, hi. Yeah. Here, we'll, well, so why don't, up. we'll we'll end it up on rooftop. Had a question. You uh, want to know? Rooftop gets the final question. Yeah, rooftop gets the final wow, question. He wants question. to know how difficult it's he been. He already got one of my wall frames. He gets the final question. He too? gets the final question too. Rooftop Damn. gets three minutes. What? He goes, "How Damn. difficult has it been to stay motivated about BMX for the last twenty-five years?" <laughs> well, there, there's different. Which part of BMX is he talking about? Making frames or just staying motivated? Business yeah. or writing? Let's do business. Business seems like it'd be harder to stay motivated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I respect you. Like, pulling off a sh- BMX shop for like 10 years, that's... <laughs> you, you, you learn real business when you do oh, that. I don't know about you, that. You learn really what it's like to keep something alive. <laughs> that's, that's for real. I know. Because I did a... BMX bike company for that long, but I mean, if I if I didn't ride, there's no way I could do it. Yeah, no way. Because if I and I and I'm in the middle of it, like riding, and that's what like kept me sane through all the business stupid shit. And it's like I remember doing that, thinking, man, how do there's companies out there where the owners don't ride? Like, how does that how does that work? I guess that's where you get like the John Beathers of the days who stopped riding and then they just quit. But I don't know. I mean, I I uh, I can never never stop. VMX is a part of me. I can never separate the two. Yeah. So I mean, that part will always be there. But the the BMX business part, um, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah because because especially complete bikes and that's kind of like the two up right now is just like changing gears even though BMX bikes don't have gears <laughs> but but like getting away from complete bikes because that kind of shit's just like then you're like a businessman you gotta be like Chris Moeller and be like this is what's popular and this is what's selling and yeah you gotta like if you don't have what's popular and what's trendy, what's selling, then you can have the best bikes or the best prices in the world, and you're not going to sell. If they don't have, like, this color bars and forks and this color frame, and, yeah, it's 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 complete insanity. Like, it's what you always, right now is what I always knew was coming is here, as far as, like, trendiness goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the extremity of the trendiness. Do you think it's more trendy now than it was like in like '87 with all the neon parts and the add-on platforms and? Oh, completely without question. Okay. Because now kids get into it. Back then, kids got into no, not. A, I don't think. I don't. I would. I would say maybe very tiny percentage of riders in the '80s got involved in BMX because it was the cool thing to do. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Very slim, tiny, God, maybe two percent of riders started riding because it was the cool thing to do. Not, I, 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 I'd probably say no one. I'd probably say, no <laughs> I'd probably say no one. Not a single rider in the '80s got involved with BMX because it was the cool thing to do. 
<laughs> no, zero. And and now it's it's the opposite. I I don't know if there's any guys that get involved in BMX that don't get involved because it's the cool thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly the opposite. Well, and that's that's the difference. Okay, <laughs> I forgot your question. What was your question? It's it's. Uh, it was just rooftop wondering how you stay passionate oh, about stay it. Stay involved. Oh yeah. Well, no. So for me, it's just like BMX is a part of me, and that can never end. So that's why I'm so. I can't fucking. I can say fucking. Yeah, you can say what the fuck you are. Yeah. I say frickin', yeah, that's kind of cool to say sometimes, but fucking's good to say yeah, too. Yeah, it's fucking it. Fuck I can't it. Fucking wait to ride that mega ramp again. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. No, I really can't because that's something like got me psyched because it's it's so gnarly. It's like the gnarliest thing. Dude, I went up that thing. It's the scariest thing. God, no, the the quarter pipes. That's the easy part. The jump is what's so, no, that's so what I'm talking. The jump scared the piss out of me. I didn't even... Cl- so gnarly. I, even bitch jumping it is so gnarly. Yeah, you bounce. Yeah, it's so gnarly. It's, and it's probably really ten times harder than jumping the whole thing. But starting off is eleven times harder to jump the whole thing. Oh, yeah. you got to start. you gotta, you got to just go down this rolling and you're like... Oh. And especially in Woodward West where you got like all this... Five hours before you hit the jump, you also have time to think about what you're about to do. Yeah, it's gnarly. So that made me so psyched to do it. I'll be excited to see some <laughs> mega ramp footage. Oh, or something. you will. Okay. <laughs> you want to? You want to end it on anything? Uh, anything you want to say? Last words. Mega ramp. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for listening, yeah. guys. Me, Ron, Bruce, and and happy Alan are out. Happy to be your first podcast. Yeah, Ron. Ron was the 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 guinea pig. So yep. ho- hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Thank you. Happy to be the guinea pig. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you can, head over to Facebook and give Snakebite BMX and Dig BMX a follow. That should cover all your BMX cravings. And until next time, all right, thanks.